0: Dr. Goodyear's passion for wellness began with his own 100-pound post-college football career weight loss. Dr. Goodyear is currently the medical director of a holistic, integrative cancer healing center in Arizona, where he uses the principles and science of holistic, natural, and integrative therapies to treat and heal people with cancer. It is not enough to target and eliminate cancer. One must heal. In addition, Dr. Goodyear is dedicated to disease prevention, disease resolution, and the wellness lifestyle through a solution-based, holistic, integrated approach founded in science. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Nathan Goodyear, who is coming to us from Scottsdale, Arizona, one of my favorite places in the US. Um, But also, he's here to talk about several topics that are near and dear to my heart. And I'm really excited to share this information with you guys. But uh, all that being said, Dr. Goodyear, I'd love it if you could just tell people a little bit about your personal health background, because you have some interesting um, things after playing college football. And then, and how you got kind of into the work that you're doing today. And we'll just uh, go on from there.
1: Yeah, everything is a story, is it not? It's a journey. So <laughs> I um, had dreams like any young high school football player wanted to be uh, playing college and then eventually pro football. But then I discovered one day that there are people bigger than me and faster than me. <laughs> but uh, so when I played college football, I actually played at the center, I was 285 pounds. And uh, so when I got done playing football two of the, the, the guys that I played with on the offensive line, they were, they were dead within 10 years. And so I knew one of them was gone in five. And it was because of obesity-related issues, cardiovascular events, heart attack. And uh, so I knew that as I started to transition into the medical world, into residency after medical school, that if I wanted to really help people focus on being well, what you present is key to that process. And so if I walk in overweight and mm-hmm. speaking of everything that's not wellness and tell people you need to be well, I'm, I'm really a you know, walking contradiction. So what I wanted to do was really focus on my health, because at that point I had a, a growing family and wonderful wife. And as I still do, and just really wanted to make it a change of life. And so I ended up losing weight and ended up losing actually too much weight, got down to 172. So, you know, one extreme to the next. And so then I kind of found my, you know, my running weight, if you will. And so started this process of making this wellness move, not just in my life, but also in my practice, because I wanted I wanted to empower patients with that skill set to take control Of where their direction's going, you know. What I tell our patients here at Brio is that wellness is really the contra—it's the paradox to disease. Disease literally means the lack of wellness. That's that's all it means. And so, being well actually empowers you to prevent yourself from being not well or whatever disease we call it. So, I I got into the wellness field in two thousand six. Wrote a couple books. Uh, was practicing, uh, had a couple clinics that I started in in the wellness movement. And interestingly enough, of course, most people, we get our start in hormones, and cancer always was creeping its way into my practice. So even before I was diagnosed with my own tumor back in 2016, I had a very large cancer practice as a part of my wellness practice. And Mm -hmm. so after my tumor and being able to move past that, I knew at that point that my, my calling, my bold mission, if you will, is to actually take care of people with cancer holistically, naturally, and integratively. And so moved out here to Arizona over five years ago, and the rest is history.
0: Wow, that is quite a background. And, you know, I'm definitely excited to talk to you. And I mean, nobody gets excited about cancer, but people that have listened to this before know that I have a lot of cancer in my family. So that's why uh, I was really, you know, excited to have this opportunity to talk to you more about how you're working with people holistically. But before we move on to that, I'd like to just uh, because a lot of people that list, listen to this podcast, not only are they interested in overall wellness, a lot of them are interested in weight loss as well. And since you had that personal experience, I just had a couple of questions for you around that before we move on. I guess the first one is my experience has been, you know, people that are athletes or that have been in college sports, uh, especially at the college level, tend to be fairly disciplined people or else they wouldn't be very successful. Um, So I'm just wondering, to what degree do you feel that you're just your personal kind of way of being and, and being a disciplined person contributed to your weight loss or and or did you find other methods and other things uh, that you use to really help you along the way that you found that made it either easier or just made more sense to you? Uh, a lot of my listeners are into low-carb or keto, but there's all kinds of ways to lose weight. So I'm just curious to hear you know, what worked for you and what you find works with your patients.
1: Yeah, Cheryl, that, I mean, that's a really insightful question. Um, I would have to say that it was more of you know my ability to set a goal and see it through you know, that uh, that that work ethic, that uh, attention to detail that's carried me to today. And that's probably more what I did that was successful in helping me to achieve, you know, a, a transition in my, my weight loss. Um, you know, when I look at, when I used to take care of patients in a pure wellness model, a lot of it was obesity, obesity-related issues. And so mm-hmm. weight was definitely a big driver of what why patients were coming to see me and where I saw patients that were successful, they could draw from that, you know, that attention to detail, that ability to say, I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to set a new Mm -hmm. pattern and I'm going to change. And, and people that have troubles in that area, um, that's where you have to really work to find what's going to help them to compensate for that doesn't mean they have shortcomings. It just means they're different. You know, they mm-hmm. tend to be more of the creative types. They tend to be more of the out of the box thinkers, which it's wonderful that we have those people and we need those people, but they, they, you know, they just work a little bit differently. So for, for me, the way I handled it is I really moved towards a, a plant-based diet with a, a little bit keto, but it was a healthy keto um Mm -hmm. it was you know being a guy working out lifting weights i wanted to make sure i got appropriate protein but i chose you know good protein sources you know fish salmon but it was definitely a plant-based and when you look at the structure of our teeth that's the way our diet should be constructed most of our teeth are designed to actually grind and very little of our teeth is designed to tear flesh meat Mm -hmm. and so for me i just looked at that concept and just put it into a general practice. And the way I practice medicine right now in dealing with cancer, everybody's looking for that magic bullet diet. For me, I didn't follow a magic bullet diet. And as it relates to weight loss, I don't believe there's a magic bullet diet either. I think it has to fit in context with that individual, the environment that's within the context of their body. Um, And I think there's a lot of things that science has yet to be determined about how diet can be a very individualized, personalized issue as it relates to healthy living and weight, weight loss. So for me, you know, that's kind of what I did. That's what I was able to do to be successful. And actually exercise at that point was a small part of what I was doing. It wasn't a huge, really it was a lifestyle change that really changed that. And, and in terms of dealing with cancer, it's really just the flip side of that. You know, most of the patients that we see come in and they're having trouble keeping weight on. So it's a very mm-hmm. different strategy that we have to work here but there's a common connection between the two it's diet it's gut it's systemic inflammation one is just leading to excess weight and here in cancer it's leading to loss of weight because of the cancer
0: the holidays are officially upon us and you know what that means lots of sales if you enjoy our work here at heal nourish grow there is a very easy way to support us without actually spending any extra money just start all of your holiday shopping on our shop page. It's easy to find by simply going to HealNourishGrow.com and clicking on the word shop in our navigation menu, or you can go straight to HealNourishGrow.com shop. There you'll find wellness products, clean beauty, healthy lifestyle products, keto-friendly, sugar-free food and drinks, and more. We get a small commission at no extra cost to you, and you get to try our favorite products with a huge discount. If you love to shop on Amazon, you can also go see our favorite products there by going to amazon.com slash shop slash grow. Thanks so much for your support and I hope you find some amazing holiday deals. Be sure to be on the lookout for our latest gift guide coming to the website soon. One of the things that I had uh, read about and I've heard a few people inter- about I- interviewed about is in regard to sort of this, um, a lot of uh, cancer people are coming back to the, the sort of the Warburg effect, the Warburg idea, and this this sort of model of cancer where it might be more based on a glucose metabolism. And so that maybe starving the cancer of glucose could potentially be a treatment. And I know that there's a few trials in this going on right now, but I'm just curious if you've run across any of that in your practice, or have you had patients that have you know tried that in an effort to you know, affect their cancer and, and just any experience around that. I'd love to hear more about that if that's something that you ever do work with.
1: Yeah, another very good question. Um, so I saw a new patient this morning, and it was a really interesting conversation when I was talking to him. And uh, he said, "You know, I'm I've got to know my enemy," and I, I've never had a cancer patient say that. And I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "I've got to know what this is within me." that's growing, and if I know my enemy, I know how to attack it. And so the Warburg effect, as you described, is where cancer is inefficiently using sugar. It's sacrificing efficiency and energy production for speed. What happens in cancer is cancer takes on all these Alterations, these mutations, genomics, epigenomics, transcriptomics, proteomics, metabolomics, where the cancer evolves, it changes, it actually, when you look at cancer, it's it's us, it's not some you know, bad Sigourney Weaver uh, alien implanted within us. It actually are is our cells, but these cells are behaving very abnormally. And The Warburg effect, as you described, is one of those issues where in the presence of oxygen, where the energy cycle should work very efficiently, because of the metabolic alterations of the cancer, because of the hypoxia and all these things evolved, what happens is the cancer starts to manipulate what it's doing and it takes sugar and it uses it in the presence of oxygen where it shouldn't really do that in the way that it does. But yes, it is instrumental and it flows through everything we do. Cancer is a metabolic disease. As I mentioned, metabolomics is one of the processes by which we evaluate and treat all of our cancer patients. And metabolomics is essentially just this this field of science that is understanding not just, you know, X, Y, Z, or sequence of things happening. It's it's the entire metabolism ongoing within the cancer and the body uh, around it.
0: Thank you for that. I, um, I just think that's a really interesting area that it's kind of funny that that was so many, many years ago. And then cancer researchers kind of went more down the path of mutations and gene therapy, and they kind of got away from this basic metabolic idea of cancer and so i just think it's interesting that now we're it seems like at least a few people are coming back to that idea and you know i just like to see it eradicated i don't care what the cure is as long as they find it um so that being said you know obviously um it is hard to find a cure for a lot of different types of cancers but there can be a lot of prolonging of life and there can be some you know treatments and changes that you do for patients or suggest to patients um, that can affect their ability to live well while they while they haven't had the cancer cured yet um, and since you do this holistic approach i'd be curious to hear what types of things that you suggest for your patients whether it's you know meditation yoga probably all the above of everything i was just about to name but um i know also vitamin c is one of your things so i'd love to hear more about that and how that actually affects the cancer process
1: yeah so you know, the, the, what I tell people, and as I said earlier, is that, you know, cancer, it's not this you know, foreign alien that's implanted within us. It is a adaptation of survival. So initially, these cells are adapting to survive. So in, in a short you know time frame, you can actually see how that could be good. But actually what happens is as this process develops a life of its own, it becomes the, what we call cancer. And so this process of genomics, of epigenomics, metabolomics, they're really one in the same. Um, they 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 are all occurring at the same time. And so here here at Brio Medical, what we do is we really actually create a holistic natural integrated program, but actually one that's precision-based, one that's evidence-based, one that's actually based in the science. So So I talk a lot about vitamin C, not because it's the only thing we do, but because it's Mm -hmm. one of the things we do amongst many, but because it's kind of that flagship of holistic, natural and integrative medicine, especially in the treatment of cancer. So it's that, you know, it's that banner that's out in front. And what I do when I talk about that out in public is show how what we do with vitamin C is actually incredibly Evidence based, scientific. And the science actually leads the way in the use of integrated and holistic therapy. So when I talk to our patients, I tell them, look, being in the science actually forces me to be more integrated, more holistic, and more natural. So that's the way I believe the science moves. Now, I understand I'm a little biased, but that's what we use for our patients, vast majority of which are stage four. And they mm-hmm. do incredibly well. So a plant-based diet is is foundational to what we do. I don't think you have to be raw. I don't think you have to be vegan. I think we need a balanced diet. Now we pivot that to adjust for different things for each individual based on uh, testing. But of course, there's going to be prayer and meditation and exercise and and you know these kind of counseling, these kind of emotional things and spiritual things that are critical and foundational, I believe, to healing. And then you bring in what everybody focuses on is the IV therapies, but it can be supplements. It could actually be a repurposed medication or two that may actually augment an IV therapy that's natural. And so we bring all of this to bear, all of it targeting precision based what we see in the alterations of the metabolism, the genomics, the immune system in the cancer that the science shows us. And then we devise these therapies to go after it, and it's very successful. I mean, one of the. One of the things that's on a lot of people's discussion right now is medical cannabis. And there's there's actually a lot of evidence that medical cannabis can be used in the treatment of cancer, but it needs to be precise in how and what's being used. So everybody looks at natural and holistic and they think we're just throwing things on the wall and hoping it sticks. Actually, we're being, I believe, we're being what doctors are supposed to be.
0: Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. We'd also love it if you could post a review on iTunes. It helps us so much by allowing others to more easily find us. The Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast wouldn't be possible without listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to the show. Well, and you, it sounds like you're very doing very individualized treatment, which I can see, like, you know, the prayer, meditation, um, all those sort of holistic stress reduction therapies, I think, can be useful for any type of cancer. But then, obviously, you mentioned, you know, the supplements, the IV therapies, those are probably going to be more targeted towards each individual's cancer, whatever kind of, um, you know, DNA signature it has, what, what's going to affect it the most. Uh, In that regard, so we we have like the really holistic stuff that everybody's familiar with that can be good for anybody with cancer. Um, You just mentioned medical cannabis, for example. Um, And then we have the vitamin C, for example. So maybe we can take each of those separately. But the medical cannabis, I think people are familiar with that for helping with patients' appetite uh, during cancer. Can you also share if there's any other more direct effect that it has on cancer treatment?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it depends on what cannabinoid we're using. So when you look at When you look at medical cannabis, the cannabinoids are are what you think of when you think of medical cannabis. So the THC part, that's the part that gets you high. That's the part that gets Mm -hmm. psychoactive if you ingest it or smoke it. Um, And then you look at CBD, which is cannabidiol, is the non-psychoactive. There are other cannabinoids, CBN, CBG, and you're starting to see more evidence come out about them. And we even use some of those. But when you look at THC and CBD, actually there's more evidence to suggest cbd having broad but very specific anti-cancer activity very specific mm-hmm. i mean even there's some research showing in animal models how cbd is actually changing the what's called the tumor microenvironment in and around the tumor affecting the immune system so when you look at cbd if we use that in conjunction with vitamin c the two are working similarly similarly in that they will both disrupt the cancer cells, but they do not impact the healthy cells. This kind of bimodal or dual effect, it's dictated by the environment. So it's interesting that vitamin C and CBD are very behaving very differently, broad, but very specific in cancer. THC definitely can stimulate appetite, definitely can help with nausea. The research there is a little bit more I want to say hit or miss, not spot on as it relates to CBD and cancer, because THC, take pancreatic cancer, for example, it's very specific in that it's been shown to have anti-cancer properties in pancreatic adenocarcinomas, and we know exactly how it's doing it. I mean, it's actually binding to CBD two which is a receptor. It's actually binding to GPR55. So it's not like we're just going, oh, Cheech and chom, go smoke this, you know, dude, you're going to feel great. <laughs> that's the way most people think about it, but it is precision based medicine. That's holistic, but it's using medical cannabis, which has been around for 6,000 years. So Mm -hmm. that's, what's exciting about it is how we can get people off of morphine. We can get people off all these narcotics, which suppress the immune system and promote cancer growth. Mm -hmm. And we can do that with medical cannabis. It's amazing and do, and it can do it very quickly but do it so that it reduces pain, stimulates appetite, controls nausea, helps sleep. And it happens to be an anti cancer therapy at the same time.
0: That's amazing. I can't wait till we can see even more data on that because, um, unfortunately, it is too late for my dad. But, um, all of that stuff that you were saying would have been very helpful, especially, uh, towards the end. And he was at Hopkins, so he was at a great place. But, uh, okay. I think different, uh, different, Medical communities have sort of different ways of approaching things, and there's all different kinds of things that could work, but um, I think this is a new and exciting area, and it's it's cool to hear you talk about that and that you guys are really using that in your practice and obviously seeing success if you're continuing to use it, I would imagine.
1: Oh, yeah, tremendous success. But what I tell people when we use medical cannabis, you know, just like what we use, vitamin C, we want it to be very, very precision-based, very, very personalized, um, and our goal is actually not to get you high. Um, with when we use medical cannabis, but now we will use medical cannabis. So for example, the THC part provides some sedation effect, but Mm -hmm. then you combine that THC with CBN, you can actually get some nice sedative effect. And we'll actually use that when we use hyperthermia for our patients. Hyperthermia is where we mimic a fever for our patients. Mm -hmm. And so we, we heat them up to really grab a hold of their immune system and use it to really destroy cancer cells, but also to um, you know, get the immune system doing that as well. And uh, so we, we just use these natural therapies to sedate them as we heat them up to a fairly significant core temperature and have them there for two hours.
0: Oh, wow. That's very interesting. So in this this next question, you may or may not be able to answer this because obviously Dr. Goodyear is not here to give medical advice. These are just sort of theoretical questions. Uh, but my question is, so say there's people out in the audience, and I know a couple personally who have gone through cancer treatment. They're ostensibly doing well at the moment. Um, But you know, cancer hides, cancer comes back. We hate that about it. Say they're in that situation right now and they don't happen to have a doctor that uses some of these alternative therapies that you've been using. I mean, let's say vitamin C, everybody knows you can buy that over the counter. So I don't think anybody's going to worry too much about that as adding that as a supplement. Um, But CBD, if there was somebody in that particular situation, might they feel like they could just kind of use those as a sort of preventative or kind of it can't hurt? Uh, sort of addition to whatever they're doing currently with their
1: treatment? I think when we're looking at it in terms of cancer, I think we have to really provide a, a very different approach to this. So when you look at vitamin C, let's talk about that because you you brought that up a couple times. And I, I try to, I'll, I, I, trust me, I love vitamin C. It's incredible. <laughs> we, we will dose people as high as 300 grams. Uh, it's, in, it's insanely effective against wide variety of lymphomas pancreatic cancers i mean it's just a really effective therapy but i don't want people to think that what we do is that we're just a one-trick pony but it's a mainstay in what we do you know and i forgot your question when i was getting off track
0: (laughs) oh just um somebody that's kind of already been through cancer treatments doing pretty well but they might just want to see like hey is there something i can add that can't hurt you know that might be a good addition
1: The contrast between IV vitamin C and oral vitamin C is different. The oral vitamin C, it has limitations in how it's absorbed, and that limits its systemic absorption uh, levels, and that limits its impact. So when you're looking at cancer, the only way to effectively treat cancer with vitamin C is through the IV route. That's it. You can only achieve the therapeutic levels that research has shown that will be effective in killing cancer cells. So when you're looking at a process of somebody being in the that criteria of no evidence of disease which is exactly where you want to be you know you need to have an integrative doctor that can really guide you in that that approach so still IV therapies in many cases are are necessary there not as frequent not as intense otherwise because as you correctly stated we have to assume that there are cancer cells out there that there are cancer stem cells there Where, What I tell patients when they achieve that, I said, you're exactly where you want to be. You want to be where you are, but it is the hardest place to be because you don't see anything. Mm -hmm. When you see something, everybody's ready to fight. But when you don't see anything, that's where it's like, well, what do we do now? And this is where conventional medicine, I think falls a little flat here. There's like, well, let's just wait until we do another image. Well, why are we doing that? Well, if we see something. Mm
0: -hmm. So the
1: question there is why wait, why not be aggressive and progressive and continually to promote the body to heal. So you step away from kind of an acute phase of treatment of cancer and you transition to a healing model. So vitamin C can be there. And so you can do that orally, but you continue with that IV. And a lot of that depends on the type of cancer involved here, But specifically, nutrition is foundationally to helping the gut, the gut bacteria, systemic inflammation. So I would say everything actually begins with what you eat and the lifestyle that you're living. And that's probably the easiest thing that somebody can do, even without taking a supplement or an IV.
0: If you've been around my content for a while, you know that one of my favorite things is making and eating gourmet food and pairing it with wine. All of the wines from the Loire Valley in France. Dry Farm wines are free from excess sulfites and mold that can cause adverse reactions and hangovers. With no added sugar, each wine is tested to be under one gram of sugar in the entire bottle. Yep, you just heard that right. There's less than one carb in the whole bottle of wine. They're also slightly lower alcohol, which means you can enjoy a delicious wine pairing at dinner any given night and not end up with a hangover. You can receive an extra bottle for just a penny with your first order by visiting Dry dryfarmwines.com slash grow I'd love to hear what your favorite wine is after you try it and be sure to tag me on social with pictures of your wine and delicious dinners. Again, that bottle of wine for a penny is at dryfarmwines.com slash grow Well, leading into that, it reminded me uh, another one of my favorite topics. And this is something that I personally do because of the cancer in my family. And I would love to hear whether you use this in your treatments because I know I've read some studies where it is helpful when people are going through chemotherapy, but then it's also theoretically helpful in preventing future cancers. And that is the topic of autophagy. And so I have taken this on myself to do, it's like easy enough to do. So I'm like, I'm in the preventative model, like you're talking about. And so every month I do an extended fast and then daily, Mm -hmm. I kind of uh, alternate some different Intermittent fasting protocols, but I'd be curious to see um, if you use that in your practice at all and how you think that could be part of um, either a prevention model or, again, for those people that are still battling, but maybe no evidence at the moment, is that something they should consider using?
1: Oh, absolutely, Cheryl. I mean, and I tie that into nutrition. Um, You know, interestingly enough, CBD promotes autophagy. So, um, but, you know, water fasting is an incredible therapy. I mean, it's very powerful. and, And so, Limited water fasting, so say 24 hours, is something that really most people could do on their own. A long water fast can be actually very hard on the body. So I always encourage people, if you want to do anything beyond just a short, kind of intermittent or 24-hour fast, always work with a doctor or some kind of provider that has guidance there because it can be very hard on the body. You know, autophagy is just simply spring cleaning in, in, in a simple term. It's basically just stimulating the body to clean up all the junk that's not necessary, the junk that doesn't need to be there. Clean that up, get ready for the summer, get ready for a new shelf, a new, you know, new whatever. And that's really all autophagy is. It's just using the body's mechanisms to clean up the junk, the crap, and then move on. And in this case, the junk here is cancer. So you can actually get the body healing by using things like water fasting, mixing that in with therapies or mixing that in with nutrition. So when actually we discharge a patient, I always incorporate some degree of water fasting with their nutrition and lifestyle pattern moving forward. Sometimes even juice fasting. So it it depends on each individual. Of course, with our patients, again, weight on the opposite side tends to be an issue. So sometimes um, I don't send them home with water fasting or I do with intermittent fasting. So it just depends on the individual, but absolutely very insightful question. Water fasting is very, very critical.
0: Well, I just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just so excited to hear that, um, you know, that there are centers out there now that are actually using all of these things together. And it's kind of not surprising to me that's in Scottsdale, which is a very progressive area. Did, uh, did you start the clinic there for any specific reason or did they kind of recruit you out there? How did, how did you get to be in Scottsdale five years ago?
1: Yeah, I got recruited out here because it was a, it was a calling. I have a, I have a good friend, you know, I have a good friend, Uh, her story, she's got a book coming out in February And uh, her book is called Bold Mission. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible because only in retrospect can I see that this was my bold mission. And what happens is we all have a calling. And I think what happens is sometimes we don't recognize our calling or we're afraid to accept the calling or Mm -hmm. we're afraid to meet the challenges associated with it. So for me, it was a calling. Um, And it's a long story, but it it was a story that clearly... My life up to that point was being set and put into place for just this time. And so when the time was called, when I was was called out here, my faith is what brought me out here. And I can remember driving out here with my wife thinking, you know, honey, we go out here, there will be no going back. And there has been no going back, but that's from a positive standpoint. And it Mm -hmm. has been the best five years of my life because I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and feeling like your purpose is being met by what you're doing, touching people's lives that have cancer, but turning around and those patients lives touch us. It doesn't mean it doesn't have rough days, mm-hmm. but it is the most rewarding thing to see people facing something called cancer. And they stand up and they said, you know what? I'm a, I'm going gonna take the reins of this. I'm going to heal when everybody says I can't and to see that actually happen it makes all of what i do worthwhile
0: yeah i'm sure that sounds I mean, it sounds like you really did find your calling and that's all anybody can hope for in their work, right? Is to yeah. be passionate about it and to actually be able to help people, which is what we try to do here. So um, to that end, I would love it if you could share a little bit about your previous uh, two, you mentioned that you had written two books that might be helpful for some people. And then if you could also just share how people can get in touch with you, if they are battling cancer right now, or they're frustrated with their treatments, um, you know, how can they reach out? Is there a website or. Or what's the best way to work with you?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, So the two books that I wrote, and I've got a couple coming out in the future, but um, were more about hormones as it relates to wellness. So Mm -hmm. they were from 2015 and 16. I wrote those two books. Um, So they're they're not they're 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 about testosterone as it relates to to wellness. So. Mm not really applicable to where I've been the last five to six years. Um, but what I do currently and what I've done over the last five to six years um, here, I'm at Brio Medical. So if you go to briomedical.com, I do have a personal website that'll be coming out soon. Uh, we've already been recording a couple podcasts. I've, I've done podcasting before. I absolutely love it. I've been re- awesome. re- I am a, I'm a massive consumer and you have a wonderful <laughs> voice by the way. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, so I can see why you have the listeners you do and you're very informed in your questions. So we have a podcast coming out. Uh, we have, um, I'll have, I'm, a, I'm an avid blogger. I'm just one of those nerds that'll sit home at night while my wife is watching something or doing something and I'm reading research and writing about it. Uh, so, and that turns into videos that turns into podcasts that turns into books. And so that's kind of, we're migrating that way. So they can go to briomedical.com right now. See some of that there, even on YouTube, but then check out my personal website when that comes out as well as a podcast. So they can look for that very soon.
0: Awesome. And I'll be happy to please send those my way when you have them and I will um, add them to the show notes. Or if you happen to know a theoretical name for your podcast right now, and it's not you know, giving anything away, you could share if you want to.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not anything, you know, cause you know, when you talk to marketing people, you're like, Oh, come up with this great <laughs> name. It's like, Oh no, just Dr. Goodyear, the Dr. Goodyear show. I said, really? They said, yeah, let's just keep it simple. They'll know your name. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. So cool. it's going to be the Dr. Goodyear show. So that's going right, to be what well, that's it is. Simple enough. Yeah. Cause I'm going to interview other people that aren't related directly to cancer and show how, Different perspectives can actually help us in cancer. I plan to interview an architect, an architect that really just, you know, provides such beautiful framework of what we see, but the foundation principles of that structure are sound. So you don't change construction. What you do is you change the environment, the perception. And in cancer, that is very applicable to what's happening. We have to change the way people approach cancer. The foundation of science is still there. But we have to help them to see that they need to heal, not go to war on the body. Since Nixon declared war on cancer in 1971, there's been some successes and some victories. But cancer is now the number one cause of mortality in high-income countries. That's what's called the uh, Prospective Urban and Rural Epidemiology Study. We are not winning this war. So we need a change of perspective. So so getting other people's perspectives, I think, can help provide some different thinking and approach to problem solving that we desperately need in medicine today, but especially in the treatment of cancer.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to hear that you're doing that too. And I will be a fangirl at any moment. I'm a big consumer of podcasts as well. Yeah, I, actually, I love uh, them. It's funny that you said that you did them before because I actually had one Gosh, way back in, I believe it was 2000, wait, I don't know, a long time ago. (laughs) And uh, before, you know, podcasting was really very mainstream, but uh, it's a great format. And I'm always happy when I can share stories of people doing awesome work like you. So Dr. Goodyear, I just want to thank you so much for taking time out today to chat with our audience. And I wish you the best of luck on the podcast. And um, I'll add those to the show notes at a later date, but uh, everyone stay tuned. And I think it'll be an awesome show.
1: Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. And thank you for the work that you do, because teaching people how to empower themselves to heal, I think that's the biggest thing that all of us can do.
0: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And thank you for that. Take care.
1: All right. Take care.
0: This has been the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. right for you.